This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. What's up, podcast people? Welcome to the Moranalytics Podcast. Today is Monday, April 16th, and I'm coming to you from the Anchor Loop Studios in sunny Bradenton, Florida, right behind the pickleball courts where a couple 70-year-olds are out there playing right now that would probably kick the shit out of me. The guests on this podcast keep getting better and better and better, and the trend definitely continues today because I have on Ross Tucker, national football analyst and host of the Ross Tucker podcast. He's on the show today. We talk for about 15 minutes or so, And I ask him, what in the hell is going on with Buffalo Bills guard Richie Incognito? Ross gives me his opinion on these top rookie quarterbacks as this draft is now less than two weeks away. Thank God. He talks about his favorite non-quarterbacks of this class. And we end our conversation by reminiscing a little bit about his time with the Buffalo Bills back in 2003 and 2004. Before that, I have on my guy, Tone Pucks, for our Monday weekly Pat with Pucks chat. And we're talking about a wide variety of topics, covering baseball, football, hockey. I don't don't know why I just didn't say several sports. We're talking about a lot of sports, and we also mix in a little bit of pop culture. As I ask him about the Andre the Giant documentary, which we both saw, and I'm going to run down a list of singers that I just saw on the latest Billboard pop charts. I literally don't know half of them. I wonder if he does, and I wonder if half you guys listening out there do. We'll find out. Seriously, I have no idea. Apparently, I'm getting really old and out of touch. I don't know. Anyway, it'll be a fun conversation. And I'll tell you what. Last Thursday, I carried on for five or six minutes before my Mike Harrington interview. People were accusing me of being his agent. I carried on for so long. And I put half the audience asleep. I'm not going to do that again. So if you're already dozing, wake your ass up. I'm done bannering. Here's my Pat with Puck segment with my boy Tone Pucks, followed immediately by my interview with Ross Tucker of the Ross Tucker Podcast. Pat with Pucks. To the victor belongs the spoils. Why don't you get the fuck out of here before I shove your quotations book up your fat fucking ass? The customer is usually a moron and an asshole. Okay, a simple wrong would have done just fine, but then... Dude, I know I sound like a broken record here, but what the hell is going on with the Buffalo weather? It's the middle of April, and you got ice storms and freezing rain, and people are losing their power all over the place from what I hear. What's going on, dude? I got, I got no answers for you, man. I mean, I'm I'm beside myself with it right now. It's... uh. It's having an adverse effect on my income, my uh, my quality of life, just about everything. And and for once, man, you uh, you look like the smartest fucking guy in the room, and that's uh, that's a problem. <laughs> well, trust me. As much as I wish it were true, I'm certainly not the smartest guy in the room. Case in point, on Saturday, because when I was done talking shit to all my buddies in the seven one six up there, freezing their ass off. I went outside and laid out in the sun for about two hours. It was 85 degrees out. And by the time it was dinner time, dude, I was so sunburned, so bad to the point where today I literally cannot put a baseball cap on my head. That's how bad it hurts. But anyway, I want to talk to you before, and we'll get into some sports in a couple of minutes. 
you're the same age as me, or actually I got you by a year. Sorry. We're, I think we're washed up and old when it comes to music and pop culture nowadays, because I'll tell you what, dude, I was looking around. I don't know how I came to it, but I jumped on the billboard music charts and I wanted to see what the top, uh, you know, the top 100 was. And I'm like, holy shit, man. I'm at a point now where I don't know half of the artists who are on these charts anymore. I, I don't. And I'm, I'm going to run through these with you. You haven't heard about any of this yet. We didn't pre-talk about this shit. For our listeners out there and you, I'm going to run down some artists here on the top 20. Tell me if you've even heard of them. I haven't even heard of half of these people. Ready? I'm down. I'm All ready. Right, well, Drake's at the top. Everyone knows Drake. See a number... Classy move by Drake this past week, too, yes. wearing the, uh, the the hockey jersey. That was sweet. Good yeah, to see. It was. Okay, well, number well, I'm two. I'm one for one then, mother. I'm one for one Dude, right Drake now. doesn't fucking Drake. count. Drake don't count. This all is right. where, all right, I said half. He's the half that you do know. All right. All right. It, all right, yeah. All right, well, I'll tell you what. Number two, have you ever heard of BB Rexa? She's number two on the charts right now. Some song called Meant to Be. God, we're going to get blasted by younger people who know what this music is. We're going to feel like idiots. I don't care, though. I'll put myself out there. I do not know. I do not know BB Rexa. Okay. How about Blockboy JB? <laughs> Dude's number five. He has a song with Drake. Blockboy JB's number five. We heard of The weekend. He was above that. You ever hear of Blockboy? I'm going to go on a limb and say you didn't. Heard of who? Block- you, who did you just assume, other than the, the uh, Blockboy, who did you just... Assume the weekend that I have heard of the weekend, the weekend. Come on. You know, the weekend. I have no clue who the weekend is. shut the All fuck right. up. You no, know who the I weekend mean, is. I might know this. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I got, I, I do not know who the weekend is. <laughs> I don't know. I no idea. You do. You just don't know that you do. And I'm not going to sing it because I'll probably get sued for uh, having his likeness on, on my podcast. If I do, but trust me, you know who he is. You don't know All who right. black boy JB is. I'm pretty sure you don't know who Zed is. This is a duet. Zed, Marin Morris, and Gray. Ever hear of that? I don't know who the fuck that is. The only Zed I know um, uh, raped Bing Rames in, uh, in, in Pulp Fiction. That's the only Zed I know. <laughs> well, Ed Sheeran's next and Bruno Mars. We know them. Like I said, All this right. is a 50-50 deal. And I'm going to skip the people that I know we know. Number nine is a song called Freaky Friday. That features Lil Dicky. <laughs> Lil Dicky. Lil Dicky. Lil Dick. L I L. Lil Dicky. L I L apostrophe. Did they go as no far apostrophe. as to put the apostrophe nope. in there for Lil? Like I would have more respect for Lil Dicky nope. if they went with the apostrophe. No apostrophe there. Someone I do not, with or without the apostrophe, I do not know Lil Dicky. What about Migos? M I G O S. Has a yes. song called Walk It Talk It. Yeah, I got it. My boy Ski um, post some of Migos' stuff on Facebook, or at least somewhere along the way, there was a Migos song on my wall. So Never heard of him in my life. How about there's a song called Havana by Camilla Cabela. Cabela's a credit card. or or, (laughs) It's not a credit card. It's a store, and I have a Cabela's credit card. That's why I know that. Do you know Camilla Cabela? I do not know Camilla Cabela. What about Bazy? I see. I can't even pronounce this. Oh my God! We're going to get put on blast. Bazy. That's. I guess that's an artist. The song's called "Mine" by Bazy. Nothing. I got nothing. Rich the kid. Rich. Rich the kid. Yeah. Pass. Camilla's on there again. I guess she must be big. Camilla's killing. All right. Cardi B, I have heard of just because I always see her on social media. She has a song. I don't know what the fuck the song is, but she's on the charts. At least I've heard of her. There's that Migos again. All right. Number 18, sad with exclamation point. You would think that's a Donald Trump song, but it's not. It's by someone called XXX Tentation. XXX Tentation. Something like that. Ever heard of that? I'm going to say no. That's terrible. No, God, sounds awful. who the fuck are these artists, man? I've reached that point. I already know it. I remember my dad used to bitch at me in the eighties. I'd be pumping my new shit. He'd say, turn that shit off. 
I've become that guy because I don't even know who these, are, these people are. Number 20, Ric Flair Drip is the name of the song, and it's by Offset and Metro Booming. It's a funny uh, song title, but I haven't the slightest idea who it is. <laughs> All right, last one. 22, the song's called New Rules, and the artist is Dua Lipa. Lipa. All I want to do with this this particular song is make a prediction that rules is spelled R U L E Z. Uh, no, it's actually spelled the correct way. Get out of here. It is. It is. <laughs> I'm going to make a prediction I here. I my life it was R U L E Z. <laughs> I'm making a prediction that this might be the worst five minutes of podcasting ever running that list down. I don't know why we would put ourselves on blast like that, but God, dude, we're out of touch. Out of touch. Here, now, listen, here's some sad news in the pop music world that we actually do know, me and you know, and I'm sure everyone else does. Huey Lewis had to cancel all his remaining tour dates because he's going through some gradual hearing loss. In a statement from the band, it revealed that Huey's losing most of his hearing and he's suffering from an inner ear disorder that causes vertigo and ear pressure. That shit sucks, man. I am a huge Huey Lewis in the news fan. Terrible news to hear that. I hope he gets better. I know you're a Huey guy too, aren't you? Absolutely, man. I was, I was, uh, I, I want to say, uh, sports may have been one of my first, uh, CDs ever. You know, I mean, I had albums obviously before that, but, uh, so I had the CD sports and I used to play it all the time, uh, back in my Eden days. Yeah. I got a real boring story about it too. And we're already like, you know, three boring stories deep on this. Oh, so let's I'll, just burn it down, let's... dude. We're burning it down. this week. Let's go, man. Burn it down. I had this, I, there was this, there was this girl on the bus. She was like the second person uh, this, who on the bus every day. I was first and she loved the song. This is it right by, <laughs> you know, obviously by Huey Lewis. And I just remember this one time, like now I, I, I can't really say that I was trying to get anywhere with her because like, you know, she was, like a like an eighth grade prom queen, and I was in like sixth or something. So that's like just impossible type shit at that age. But um, but I liked her, you know what I mean, and and actually considered her a friend. So she would get on the bus, and I would have the boombox all set up. Wait a minute, wait this it might have even been this might have even been a cassette, other than a CD. I can't remember whichever whichever uh, one it was. It was set right to the song. If this is it, and she would get on the bus, and I would press play as soon as she <laughs> like, as soon as she stepped on the bus, and that's my uh, that's my terrible uh, Huey Lewis in the news <laughs> Eden bus story. I hope he gets better, man. He's one of my favorites. That sucks to go through something like that. Now on HBO this past week, there was that Andre the Giant documentary by Bill Simmons. You did see that. What did you think of it? I thought it was excellent, man. Uh, you know, I. It lived up to the hype. It was a well, well promoted, you know, show and, and their, uh, the previews of it were excellent. You know, I mean, nobody grabs you with the previews like HBO. I think my only problem with it was, you know, it, it was, I think it got like a PG 13 or 14 rating or something like that. It was basically something that I could have easily seen going on ESPN or whatever. Obviously that would never be the case with Simmons um, being the executive producer of it, but it lacked that little bit of, you know, uh, HBO edge, like maybe a little more violence, a little more, Oh, you know, gratuitous stories of his uh, sexual escapades and stuff like that. I got to be careful here. It's not like I'm, I'm not calling for an Andre, the giant cock shot. Although, you know, I mean, it's, (laughs) Seven foot four, 500 pounds. <laughs> throwing in something like that would be interesting. Um, but, you know, I, I thought it uh, I, I thought it was kind of mellow in that regard. Classy, you know, and, and classy is good, but um, not necessarily the sort of edge that you would equate to an HBO uh, docudrama. But it was good stuff, though, man. Some of the behind the scenes stuff was 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 excellent. I agree for the most part. You know me, I'm a big, big, big wrestling fan. So I did enjoy it. it. To me, 
What I like most about it is I think you got a really good look at just how hard it was to be him in life. You know, not, not the fans who are in the show and they see him for 15, 20 minutes and, you know, he goes on to the next town, but just how hard it was to be him. He was constantly always having to go to different territories because he didn't have that staying power because, you know, he was an attraction. So he would never be able to wrestle in promotions long-term. Fans would come see him two, three times and they get to be a little bit old. So he was constantly on the move. So he never really got to settle in one place for a very long time. And then you combine that with other things like how hard it was for him to uh, go to a hotel. You know what I mean? Beds that he couldn't sleep in. Or I remember they told a story on the airplane where, you know, they'd have to close a curtain and he'd have to piss into something. And then they would eventually dump him in the toilet because he couldn't get into any kind of bathroom. So I really enjoyed that stuff. It gave you a good inside look, especially to the casual fan and just how hard it was to be Andre the Giant. The only thing I didn't love about that documentary, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but it felt to me like a good 20 minutes of that almost felt like a Hulk Hogan documentary. As they talked about, you know, building up to the WrestleMania three match when Andre was kind of, you know, physically breaking down and stuff. It felt to me like at times it was more about the rise of Hulkamania than it was about Andre itself. So that might be my one biggest critique about the show. I thought it might have been a little bit too uh, indulging for Hulk Hogan. But all in all, I thought it was a great show. I don't know, dude. I'm still sitting here mulling over whether or not I did a good enough job of making sure everyone knows I was not looking for an Andre the Giant cock shot. All right. I, I, I just want to make sure I made that clear five minutes ago because I didn't really even hear a word you just said. Uh, I'm sure there, there's Andre the cock shots out there, dude. He, he was a ladies, man. <laughs> women loved him. That, that was a part of the story, too. Women were fascinated. They wanted to be with him. Probably uh, I, I, did, I, thought, I thought that would be a, I thought that might've been a bigger part of it, but um, I did hear what you just said. I, I respectfully disagree on the Hogan part. Um, I had read your post about that going into watching it for the first time. And I, I just, I didn't agree. I thought Hogan served the purpose of telling the, the story of um, leading up to that WrestleMania that obviously, you know, no one else was close enough to, to be able to tell. And I, and I thought that was really insightful. I was glad that they spent as much time with him on that as they did. Go check it out. It's definitely worth seeing. Let's segue into some Buffalo Bills talk and more specifically Richie Incognito. Cause I don't know what the fuck is going on with him right now. Everyone knows I'm not the biggest Richie Incognito fan. That's for a lot of reasons, but whatever that aside, the guy retires. First of all, he fires his agent on Twitter. I think we might have talked about that last week. I don't remember, but whatever. No, we he, definitely did. Yeah, he fires his agent on Twitter, and he retires, says he's done, and then he goes on and does things that, on a personal level, I, I can't stand. The, the worst to me was some guy on Twitter, I don't remember the name, but I remember in the tweet, he tweeted at Richie. He goes, ease off the bath salts, guy. Don't need you pulling a Zay Jones. That's one thing fans always, you know, fans troll athletes. They take shots at them. It's part of the game. Dude, Richie Incognito retweeted that. To me, that's an endorsement. That fucking guy's making fun of Zay Jones. He's talking shit about Zay Jones. Pretty much saying, yo, get off the bath salts. Don't be like Zay Jones. Richie Incognito retweeted that. I thought it was fucking an awful, awful thing to do to a teammate. Whether he's retired or not, that's your teammate. I just think the guy has been, he's been a dick. He's been a dick. And now he's playing games. Is he trolling the Bills media relations department? Saying he's coming back. He's going to be at workouts on Monday. Is he really? Or is he retired? What's going on with him? This goes beyond having a little fun. I I, I don't know. Maybe your take's different than mine. But all these games he's playing on Twitter, very publicly from his agent to the retweets. And now with the Bills department itself, kind of being a dick to me. Maybe you disagree. I don't know. I don't. I can't. I, I can't disagree with with that. I, I I did originally disagree with you last week when we talked about it, and you know how he fired his agent, and you know the manner in which he did, or you know using Twitter as a vehicle for it and stuff like that. And even I I think in the early uh, stages of um you know the the retirement this week. I had his back just because I felt like he was did a cash grab, you know, about a mil and a half cash grab from the bills 
um, you know, before bowing out. That's the only thing I could really think of as to why he would take the, you know, the pay cut because they put a, a million of it or, you know, I had heard a million and a half somewhere uh, along the line um, in a bonus. And, you know, he did that, grabbed the cash, grabbed the money and ran. And to be honest with you, you know, with the NFL being the way they are and how they treat their, you know, their players through the years, certainly, uh, if not now, still today, to some extent, you know, I didn't have him, I didn't have a problem with him, you know, maybe getting over on the bills that way, if he were to truly have been retiring. Now it looks like he's just gone straight rogue, you know, and um, we always knew that, that Richie had this in him. I think it's a it's a guy who doesn't really know well how to express himself, at least in terms of if he was hurt, you know, in terms of emotionally or felt slighted or something like that. You know, like like real human emotions that most of us can talk through, work through, things like that. Richie Incognito has a different way of handling. And we're seeing that now as we've seen it before. It's not a big surprise. It is real D-baggy. And um it probably hasn't, uh, we probably haven't heard the last of it. I think ultimately he wants to play elsewhere, especially with, uh, with his boy, you know, leaving the way he did. And I think the, the, the pay cut probably bugged him all these things. And I, I mentioned this last week too. And I think he probably still wants to play. I think the whole liver and all that is uh, all a smoke screen. I think he's trying to orchestrate, his release. And my guess is uh, much the way they did, although very, very different men in handling uh, of the situation. My guess is the Bills will treat this much the way they did Anquan Bolden last year. And um, you're either playing here or you're playing nowhere. You ain't going to, uh, you're not going to dictate terms on us. And and I would applaud, you know, that way of handling it if that's the way the Bills do it, as I suspect. I hope they do, because I'm going to tell you right now, the way he's acting and doing it publicly, don't let him play somewhere else. Don't don't cut him so he can go somewhere else. I can't stand the way he's acting. And it's not so much what, you know, is bringing out the emotion to me of what he's doing to the team. I don't even care. I thought it was bullshit what he did with Zay Jones. That retweet, to me, that's a retweet. That's an endorsement. When you retweet someone in that manner, that means someone says something that you think is funny or you think is cool. And it's worth it. That's something that you endorse and you put back out to however many goddamn followers he has, which I'm sure is a lot. I didn't look it up. That is a direct diss to his teammate, to a guy who's going through a very hard time. And you fucking retweet that. I'm just, I'm appalled and I'm disgusted by it. I'm done with him. I don't want him to play here, but I don't want to give them the satisfaction and cutting him right now and letting him be a free agent either. I'm over him. I hope he never plays another down in the NFL. I'm just sick of him. So let's move on from from that. Again, I'm letting the emotions get the better of me. Maybe that's not the best football thing to do because even at 34, he is still a pretty good productive guard and he did play well and his cap is reasonable for next year if the Bills did want to have him back. But, you know, I thought they, I, I, I felt he was a cap casualty prospect all along until, uh, until Woods' retirement, um, I think at that point uh, they felt as though they they had to keep uh, Richie around, and but they were always willing to lose him. I mean, look, they they made him take a three million dollar cap hit, or or I'm sorry, um, pay cut. So they were always prepared to lose uh, to to lose Richie. So they're they'll be fine. And and as far as your feelings on him. They're absolutely legitimate. The guy, you know, he's he's been an absolute asshole. He's been an asshole in the past. You got some guys standing up for him, like Shady and stuff like that. But you know, the dude's the dude's a mess, and he got a lot of it back too when he talked about uh, you know uh, his his candidacy for the Hall of Fame. Shit. He got uh, he got plenty of shit uh, back in return. He's whack. We'll move on. We'll move on from him. I could spend all day talking about him because there's two different components to it. Richie, the football player versus Richie, the person. And the worst part of it is before we do move on, Richie, the person had a great opportunity. In fact, he did a great chance for a, quite a while of redeeming himself. All, all the past troubles. He comes to Buffalo and he has three good years on the field. Wasn't in the headlines for any wrong reasons until that Jacksonville playoff game, which didn't it turned out to be much ado about nothing. 
But now this bullshit that he's doing with the team, it's just stupid. Let's just move on from him in football and in life. And I want to talk about something else. I put a poll up on uh, my Twitter earlier this week. Fascinated by this topic. I said this. We're talking about quarterbacks here. I said, is there any quarterback worth the Bills giving up? Picks 12 and 22 and 56 this year. So that's both first and a second. And next year's number one to the Giants to move up to number two and get the second pick and their fourth runner, which would be 108 overall. Here were the poll results, and there were a little over 300 votes for this, so that's a decent enough sample size that I think it's fairly accurate. Rosen led the way with 29%. Right behind him was Darnold at 28%. Baker Mayfield at 22%, and then 21% said none. So when you add that all up together, there was only 7% that separated the perceived, which we'll get into the fourth guy in a few minutes, but those three quarterbacks, only 7% separated those three. And the most telling stat to me was from that number, over 75% of Bills fans right now would give up those three first and a second to move up to number two. Three quarters for a quarterback. Kind of a lot. What's your thoughts on that right now? And by the way, before you answer me, we've been talking about quarterbacks for a while. Dude, we're less than two weeks away from the draft now, so it's about to be money time up in here. Heck yeah, it is, man. I'm I'm all fired up. All fired up for that. Hey, you know, I did I did a Twitter poll this past week. Also, I had I had ten people vote. All of ten? I had ten people vote. That's right, dude. That's yeah. pretty impressive for you, man. I th- I think so. I think so. Oh man, what was your question again? What do I think of this poll? Well, I- I'm fascinated that by two things. Number one, that three quarters of Bills fans are willing to move up to number two and pay that premium. Like I said, three first and a second, but they don't necessarily know for who. There's only 7% between first and third among these three quarterbacks. There's no one guy that you're like, yo, this is the guy I expected to say maybe 65, 70% of Bills fans who would move up would want Sam Darnold. And then maybe a couple for the other guys. But I mean, this poll is tight. In fact, I don't even know why I said him because he didn't even win. Most fans pick Josh Rosen. It's just crazy, the variables, these three quarterbacks, how close it is. Well, uh, let me put it to you like this. With all due respect, because I know you're a very busy man, and I know that this this podcast branches, you know, far beyond just the scope of the Buffalo Bills and, and its, its uh, quarterback draft. I, I know you've got a lot going on with wrestling and those Yankee injuries and all that stuff. All right. So uh, let me, let me set this up that way. Aaron Hicks but is back. That, yes. And he hit a couple bombs that you did not uh, take advantage of yesterday. <laughs> but um, look, honestly though, man, um, all of this data is right in line with pretty much everything that I've paid, at least that I've paid attention to leading up to this draft. Do I listen to absolutely everything? No. Uh, um, you know, do I see every Twitter poll or, you know, uh, branch out much beyond, uh, you know, the, uh, the three to six o'clock hours on, uh, on local radio? I do not, but these numbers, uh, maybe with the exception of, of Rosen leading the way for being the, uh, you know, the favorite of Bill's fans, these numbers are right in line with everything that uh, that I would have expected to see. I do think three quarters of the fan base wants to see the move up and doesn't really care uh, what it's going to cost beyond an amount um, or a return that would just leave even you know the uh, the most average fan saying, "Oh my God, what were they doing?" And I don't think that you, the way you laid out. The question really was that. So these numbers do not come as a surprise to me. I think it's I think it's where the fan base is and where they will stay uh, until two Thursdays from from now or from this past uh, Thursday. I I think this is a fair depiction of uh, of of where we've all landed uh, and as this process winds down and it is winding down. Thank God. And we'll get into the quarterbacks one more time next week. Before I move on from that, though, Sal Capaccio from WGR in Buffalo, by the way, the first guest ever on this podcast, he ran a mock draft, his first one. 
Jesus Christ here. He had the Bills giving up 12-22-53, which is one, two ones and a two this year, in a fourth next year, and he's got the Bills moving to Denver at five and taking Josh Allen. Dude, I'm telling you right now, if there's one thing, and I have paid very close attention to this entire process, if there's one thing that are going to make Buffalo Bills fans lose their motherfucking minds is moving up. I don't care if it's to two, four, five, seven, whatever it may be, giving up picks and taking Josh Allen. Fans are going to lose their shit if the Bills take Josh Allen. And let me preface one quick thing before I, I throw this to you. Sal's not picking what he wants the Bills to do. His mock draft, just like most of them, are predicated on what he thinks the team is going to do. So, fans in Buffalo, for whatever reason, fucking for the most part, hate Josh Allen. I ask you this because you're in the minority. You have the take that you trust the Bills brass regardless of what they do. So, you might need to throw that out there one more time to ease a couple fans' minds. Because that's the one common denominator in this whole process. If you draft Josh Allen in Buffalo and have to move up to get him, especially if you're throwing around extra first-round picks, they're going to hate it. Yeah, for, I've, uh, I've heard Sal talk a little bit about the responses that he's gotten uh, to, that, uh, to that pick. And uh, again, going back to the data from your, your poll, uh, it, it falls in line with uh, much of what I've uh, – you know, I, I've taken in from the fan base during this process. They're not fans of uh, of Allen. Dude, Dude, I didn't even include him. I didn't even include Josh Allen in that poll. I included the other three quarterbacks or don't do it at all because I know that Bills fans do not want to move up for Josh Allen. Here's my opinion, though, all right, as it relates to as it relates indirectly to Josh Allen. There are a lot of people out there, obviously, talking about his inaccuracy and I'm sure that is the 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 biggest component to uh, Bills fans' fears. But I think what's 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 lingering in the background when you hear the word inaccuracy as a Bills fan uh, is we are just not far removed from the EJ Manuel era, and I have never seen a more inaccurate. Uh, quarterback drafted that high in my life. Okay. EJ's accuracy was at times like watching Chuck Knobloch with the fucking yips. Okay. <laughs> it was brutal. Right. And, and that is still in the minds of many a Bills fan, I would imagine. It's still in mine as well. Watching him throw like a five foot or a five yard sh- crossing pattern like a shot put because he just couldn't get that you know the rhythm down from from that range is is that what we're gonna get out of josh allen man i don't know all right i i don't know and you know what neither do the people that are so afraid of him all i do know is that i saw some absolutely freakish throws of the football at the combine. And if I, you know, if if I am forced to root for that sort of raw ability uh, to manifest itself into a finished product under center for, you know, for the team that I love, yo, um, I'll just, uh, I'll enjoy the ride the best I can, man. And and hopefully others will come around and do the same. Because once that name is announced, in 10 days or whatever it is. All right. None of the other names matter anymore. They just don't. You could play the game of wanting to follow the, the career path of Mahomes, Watson, or who these quarterbacks, you know, end up being, you know, wherever they're slotted. But, you know, the only the only name that's going to matter for the next 5, 10, 15 years will be the one that's announced. And, and, uh, and at that point, you know, you got to get on board with it. You got no other choice. I, I hope it doesn't come down to it. I really don't. He might go on to be a great quarterback. And again, you got that certain degree of trust that this organization has earned based on last year and some of the other seemingly good moves they've made. But I just don't want that division. We went through it with Tyrod for a couple of years. We draft this guy every time he fucking throws an incomplete pass 
It's going to be the same bullshit. I just hope if they move up for a guy, it's a guy that everyone nearly universally wants because I just don't want to go through that division again. It's the one thing about being a Bills fan the last couple of years that has really sucked. Moving on from, from the Bills. Actually, yo, that's an excellent. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm no, sorry. go ahead. Make your point. Go that's ahead. an excellent. That's an excellent point, though. One I didn't really think of. He is the only guy that would create that sort of division. Absolutely. You know? I mean, he he's the you know the other guys uh, from the other pool of guys. People might have their favorite, but nobody really has that disdain for the others or that passion. There is more passion for not wanting Allen then there is passion for wanting any of the other five. So, you know, that, that point of, you know, the, 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 the fan base and the impact that it, that it would have on a fan base that already forget about Tyrod Taylor, you know, the greatest fracture in this fan base, you know, um, is in tankers versus, versus uh, pro tankers versus anti tankers. But yes, you know, the, the, the Allen pick, will expose us to that for um, several more years. So uh, for that reason alone, uh, I think I could get behind the desire to see them pick just about anybody else. Yeah, there's no question about it. And even the other guys, you know, Mason Rudolph or, or Lamar Jackson, if they take them at 22, or even if they took Mason Rudolph at 12, you might not love that pick, but you know what? You didn't mortgage. You didn't give up a bunch of other picks to get him. So even if he doesn't work out, at least you didn't trade three, four other picks along with him. So if he doesn't work out, whatever, you go back and you get another quarterback. But if they trade up for Josh Allen, shit don't work out. It's going to be ugly. I just don't want to deal with that. I don't want to listen to talk show radio for the next three years or go on Twitter. And every time the guy makes a mistake or every time the guy plays a good game, it's going to be, see, I told you so. I just want a guy that we can all get behind. Let's turn to baseball real quick here. Miami Marlins, I think it was last Thursday, they drew 6,150 fans for a home game. This is a major league baseball team in April, the middle of April, first couple weeks of the season, and not in a cold weather city, fucking Miami where it's beautiful out. They drew 6,150 fans on Thursday night for a home game. They were outdrawn by their double-A team in Jacksonville that night. That's beyond embarrassing. There's You can't have a major league team that has less than 6,200 fans at a baseball game in April. Inexcusable. I don't know what the business model is that Derek Jeter uh, and his partners have gotten themselves into. The early stages of a major league baseball teardown is very, very ugly because it usually involves a salary dump that the the salary dump in and of itself becomes the the trade you, you know the prospects i don't even know that they've gotten any prospects great prospects for the guys that they've that they've dumped now i'm sure they've gotten some all right um but again the the biggest thing that they get in return for the guys that they've moved uh is the is the relief of the salary so you know they're nowhere i'm sure they know where they want to get and have some sort of uh, projected timeline, but I wouldn't go see him. And and I love any level of baseball that I can that I can get into. And this uh, this team that once was, you know, very much in the conversation uh, as little as a couple years ago, you know, before the death of Jose Fernandez, they were good twelve um, months ago. Yeah, I, uh, he's respectable I, anyway. Yeah, I just I, I felt like that was fool's gold a, a little bit last year. Like they they couldn't just go tear it down. You know, there were there, there were too many moving parts to tearing it down, and too much invested in in, in some of the uh, you know some of the assets that they had acquired, like D Gordon and stuff like that. But they were clearly you know ready to um, go backwards the extent to which they, they did. And it's just, it's, it's shameful. It, it, it really is. And what do you expect? What do you expect people in Miami to do? They got them, uh, you know, they're not sitting in there with a inch worth of fucking ice on their windshield in the, in the morning in April, they got other things they can go do, man. And, and they, uh, and they do. <laughs> now, conversely, some, there's a couple teams in the NL that are on 
fire right now. The Mets, 12 and 2. The New York Mets are 12 and 2. Arizona, that's not that big of a surprise because they're good. 11 and 3. Pittsburgh, we said they might fade quick. They still might because it is only mid April. Dude, they're 11 and 4. We're having a little bit of fun here with the National League in April. I'm just, I'm looking at the uh, Dodgers Diamondbacks game right now. So no, you know Arizona's not gonna not gonna be on the right end of things today. But they're a fun team, man. You know, and sometimes it takes uh, a year or two for it to gel. Sometimes it takes a guy like uh, Robbie Ray or Patrick Corbin to step up and actually put you know your your huge free agent uh, acquisition in Zach Greinke, you know, in the two or three slot. And that becomes the year that you, you know, that you, that you find it. And, and it looks like it might be this year, you know, for that team. As for the Mets, you know, again, it's the same thing. You know, the arms have always been there. So if they stay healthy, if the arms stay healthy, you're probably going to get what you need out of the lineup, you know, two out of three times, you know, every, every series. So it's early. I, I know that much. It's, it's crazy early to be drawing too much from it but yeah the, you, you mentioned a couple teams that'll be fun to keep an eye on man that's for sure yeah early but still enjoyable for sure you know i'd be remiss if i didn't talk at least for a minute about the yanks seven and seven after 14 games i think they just had three straight games rained out they're sluggish not a good start 500 i will say the one good thing for the yanks is that aaron judge who i thought would be a prime candidate to have a major regression this year just because he was so good as a rookie the bar was so high. He's off to a great start, though. He's in in 340. He's already got three jacks and 13 runs scored. I know you're not a Yankees guy, and I really don't give a shit that you're not a Yankees guy, but 7-7, seven and seven, eh, not where I expected them to be. And again, small sample size, notwithstanding, 7-7, seven and seven, not a very good start in the, in, in the Big Apple. No, I'm sure they would have loved to come out and, uh, you know, been setting it on fire kind of the way the Sox did. But, you know, they yeah. showed a little. Uh, Not good against you know, Boston either. No, but they, you know, they they showed a little bit of bite. And, I, I you know, it, it took a virtual no name to uh, to do it. But, you know, I mean, I, I dug it, man. You know, people talk about uh, the grind of a baseball season, the bore of it for for people that aren't fans and, and whatnot. But. You know, I mean, to see them, those two teams go at it like that in, in April, that's good stuff. <laughs> that was, that's good stuff. Wasn't good stuff. Fucking, I hate Boston. All right, last topic, then we'll get out of here. Cleveland Cavaliers lose by 18 at home to Indiana to start the playoffs. To you, is that a thing or is that not a thing? Absolutely a thing. Um, this Cleveland team has played stretches of very shitty basketball this year and they are capable of doing that in the playoffs man and they did it today and if they and indiana is a tough place to win on the road they're behind the eight ball quick and they could easily lose this series easily based on i mean it's only one game but not a good start at all Tone, any parting words on your way out the door? Nah, man, I'm ready. To, I'm ready to hear uh, Ross Tucker drop some uh, drop some draft knowledge. Let's do it. All right, Tone, we'll chat again next week. And now here's that interview with Ross Tucker, national football analyst and host of the Ross Tucker podcast. My guest is the host of the Ross Tucker football podcast and also does work with NBCSN and Westwood One, among many other things. By the way, he's also a former Buffalo Bill. I'm talking about Ross Tucker. Ross, thanks for taking a few minutes uh, and chatting with me today. Appreciate it. Patrick, my pleasure. And yes, most importantly, a former Buffalo Bill played for five teams and the Bills by far my favorite team I played for, by far my best experience really in uh, in every way. I, I still miss it and that's the that's kind of the team I look at as, as as the team that was my team. Well, are there any truth to the rumors that with Richie Incognito retiring in Buffalo that you're considering a comeback? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, although I'd play for the amount that Richie doesn't want to play for, I'd be happy to come <laughs> back for 
whatever it is, 4.25, 4.75. And by the way, I, you know, I don't know Richie's health situation or whatever the stress and the organs or whatever he talked about, but I, I would tend to be surprised if he doesn't play. I mean, I, you know, the fact that it started with the first tweet I saw from Peter King was Richie Incognito's not going to play this year unless he gets, you know, a really impressive financial offer. Usually when that's what's said, the guy still ends up playing, but maybe not. Well, I'll tell you, it's been really weird with him because he, he fired his agent on Twitter. It's just been a, a very public, weird last couple of weeks for Richie. Yeah, you know what? It makes you wonder what's going on there that he's firing these people and retiring and stuff on Twitter. I don't know. Maybe he's got designs on a, um, you know, a career in the media and is trying to kind of get a, a social media buzz or kind of starting, you know, having that kind of, uh, that kind of presence. I, I really don't know. Like I said, he's still playing well. And if I had to put a dollar on it, I'd bet that he's going to play, but you never know. Right. right. So I don't want to call this a story, but there's certainly rumors out there or buzz that the bills and the giants may have a, a pull a trigger on a trade that they might have some kind of blueprint in place that would see the bills go from 12 all the way up to two. Do you see that happening? Yeah, that, that doesn't, uh, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think that they might have the parameters in place in case, um, you know, but here, here, let me take a step back. Okay. Sure. I think if the Browns take Josh Allen at one and Sam Darnold's there at two, I think that the giants take him and, and the deal would be off. But if the, Giants aren't able to get Sam Darnold at two, who I think is the quarterback that they would like. I I do believe that there's a pretty decent chance that they already have parameters set up with the Buffalo Bills. Now, I don't think that the Giants would want to move all the way down from two to 12. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it must be a pretty significant offer from the Bills for the Giants to really even consider that. I mean, it must be a pretty, like I said, a pretty impressive offer because I, you know, I think Gettleman wants to get one of those guys, one of those top six, seven players. So I kind of had thought up until those recent reports that maybe it would be a situation where, you know, what actually happened was the Brown, the Bills like moved up to six with the Colts and then made a trade with the Giants at two. But I don't think, you know, I think that trade from 12 to six would happen, you know, obviously a lot earlier than the six to two. Now, you've obviously gotten to know these quarterbacks a lot during this process. If if you were Buffalo Bills GM Brandon Bean, is this something you would do? Would you be trying to get up from 12 all the way to 2 in your mind? And, and I mean, you got to take the Bills quarterback situation into account, of course. But in your mind, if you're Brandon Bean, are any of these quarterbacks to you worth going all the way up from 12 to 2? Because you know it's going to cost a premium to do that. Yeah, I mean, the only guy that would be worth that to me would be Sam Darnold. Uh, I'm a big believer in him. I, I broadcast the U.S. Army Bowl when he was in it three years ago for NBC, and he was just extremely impressive in every way, really impressive. You see the way he conducts himself. You know, he saw that Rose Bowl game a couple of years ago against Penn State. I know that he turned the ball over more last year. Uh, that is a concern. I'm probably more concerned about the fumbles than I am about the touchdowns, but I think that those things can be corrected. And I really like what he brings to the table. I think that's who the Browns should take at number one. And if, you know, the Bills are going to consider moving up, that would be the only guy that I would move up for probably. Um, I think you can make an argument for the other three guys. It really just depends on, you know, what you value and a quarterback and how much risk you're willing to take on, right? You know, I really value accuracy and a, a passion for the game and leadership. So I think Baker Mayfield uh, would be the right guy in those categories, but then there's the maturity risk that you run. You know, how many top 12 quarterbacks, you know, behave the way he does on the sideline, you know, running from the cops, those type of things. I, I can't think of any, right? Maybe Roethlisberger might have done something like that when he was in college, but the other guys, the Cousins, the, 
the Mannings, the you know those type of things. You just don't really envision them making those type of poor choices over and over again. With Josh Rosen, you know, he's a great pure passer, but then you've got you know the issue with him. There's also some decision making risk with you know forget the political statement, which probably isn't smart because you're alienating some portion of your fan base, but even to just wear a hat that says bleep anybody doesn't really seem very smart. And then you've got the injury risk with him. I mean, he already had surgery on his throwing shoulder, and then he's going to go ahead and have two concussions last year. I mean, that's just too much risk for me to trade all those picks and move up for a guy that, you know, could very easily have a third concussion in less than a year and decide he's not going to play football anymore. Right. Do you, and I know there's a ton of speculation about it, but do you really think that Cleveland's going to end up taking Josh Allen with the first pick? I can't see them not taking Darnold, but there's a lot of stuff out there that they might take Josh Allen. What's your thought on that? Well, well, the people that, um, that are saying that they're hearing it are guys that I really respect and who usually are pretty good on top of these things. So, when it's Daniel Jeremiah and Lance Zerline and to a lesser extent, I guess, Dane Brugler, that, that makes me pay attention. It's yeah. I mean, those are guys that you got to respect. I mean, they're great at what they do. It, 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 it can be a reality. It just stuns me. I just can't see how Darnold's not the top pick. Now you could end up, do you think there's a good chance that we can end up seeing six quarterbacks going in the first round? Maybe not because there's six quarterbacks out there that have first round talent, but just because it's such a quarterback needy driven league at this point, do you see potentially six going in that first round? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that there's a pretty good chance of that. And I'll tell you why. I think that there's a bunch of teams, you know, there's kind of the first tier of teams that need quarterbacks that we expect to take them. But then also people want to have that fifth year option. And there's a whole other, you know, list of teams like the Saints, the Steelers, the Patriots, the Chargers, that they also are looking for the next quarterback. And they might think it's worth it to trade up in the bottom of round one to get the heir apparent for for their starters, whether that's Mason Rudolph or Lamar Jackson. So I would think that that's a distinct possibility, yes. All this pre-draft talk is about quarterbacks and for obvious reasons. Again, there's so many teams that need them. Plus, it's just always the juicy thing to talk about. But who are a couple of your favorite players in this draft that, that they're not quarterbacks? Um, well, I, I think that the, the two most obvious ones are Saquon Barkley and Quentin Nelson. I mean, I, I live in central Pennsylvania. I grew up a big Penn State fan. I watched every snap of Saquon Barkley's college career, and he is he's incredible. I mean, I he is as rare of a physical talent as I think you'll ever see. It's just crazy. I've heard people describe him as a thick LaShawn McCoy. I don't know that he has quite that much wiggle as LaShawn McCoy, mm-hmm. but he's a lot thicker and I'd say a decent amount faster. I mean, he is lightning when he gets in the open field. So I, I, I think he's an incredible football player. He's not a perfect football player, but he's an incredible one. And then you've got Quentin Nelson from Notre Dame, who, I mean, I could watch that guy forever. Uh, He is an incredible guy to watch. It's rare that you'll see a college player at that level, at any position, be as dominant as he he was. He is just, he's another guy that played in the U.S. Army Bowl, and I got a chance to know a little bit. I mean, even back then, he was like 320 pounds and able to dunk a basketball. So he's physically everything you could ever look for. And then he's got the exact correct playing demeanor that you want as well. Yeah. Moving on a little bit beyond the draft, the the Rams. I mean, God, talk about the Rams in the top of that NFC between them and Minnesota and Philly. Holy crap. That The NFC is loaded at the top at this point. It is. I mean, and I, I would tell you, Pat, I would still put, um, you know, the Eagles and the Vikings ahead of the Rams in my mind. I think that they both have better quarterbacks. And I think that they're probably both still better up front. 
You know, I mean, I know that it's been a pretty big splash, and you could probably debate the Rams' D-line now, but they're still lacking an edge rusher. And I think what people forget is, you know, they've added some spicy names, Akib Tlaib, Marcus Peters, and Damakin Sue, but they also lost some guys, too. You right. know, I mean, and Brandon Hooks, they also lost Jermaine Johnson, who's a very good player. They also lost a guy like... Um, Sammy Watkins. Is you know, yeah, yeah, Alec Ogletree, Sammy Watkins. How about even just Robert Quinn? You know, so right. they're worse at linebacker. They're worse at, you know, edge rusher. I'm not sure they're actually better at wide receiver. It's probably close between Watkins and Cook. So they've, they've made some trade-offs there for some of these guys. It's not like they've just added. They've added and deleted. Rex Ryan became infamous in Buffalo a couple of years ago for claiming the Bills won the offseason. Not not counting the Rams, because and, and you wouldn't agree with that anyway. Not counting the Rams. Who do you think's won the offseason so far? I mean, there's still the draft to go, but free agency trades. What team out there do you really like how they improved their team the most during the offseason? Um, well, there's several um, that, that I like what they've done. I'm trying to think of the team. The one team uh, that stands out the most, it's kind of hard to argue with the Minnesota Vikings getting Kirk Cousins and Sheldon Richardson, right? you know, and, and, and not resting on their laurels of what they had accomplished, you know, last year to really improve it. It's kind of hard to argue with adding two guys at really important positions like that. I also really like what the Cleveland Browns have done. You know, I mean, I, I think to get Tyrod Taylor, I know there's a lot of debate with you guys there, but to get Tyrod Taylor, I think, is really impressive. And to also get Jarvis Landry, I, I like what the, the, the Cleveland Browns have done as well. Before I let you go, because I know you're busy, you got a ton going on. As a Buffalo guy, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about your time in Buffalo. I know you liked the city and playing here, but... You were with the Bills in 2003 and 2004. It was Drew Bledsoe's second year on the team. And that defense was stacked with mad talent. And I mean, obviously it wasn't your fault, but that had, that ended up being one of the biggest underachieving Bills teams I can remember during that stretch. That 2003 team, man, you guys were so good, but you ended up losing seven of your last nine. From what you can recall. I know, I know, I know, when, I know. I, I got to ask you this, I, Ross. I'm I think, sorry. I think, more, I, I think more about the 2004 season where I thought we were as good as anybody, and we lost to the Steelers' backups. But uh, now, you know, I think the 2003 season when Moulds got hurt, you know, he was still playing, but he couldn't really run. Mm-hmm. That really, really hurt us. And then things went downhill there with, you know, uh, with knowing that Greg Williams was probably out. I mean, that, that was a major factor there. But the bigger issue, quite frankly, is 2004 because that team – was really, really good. And it's a shame we started off 0-4 and then lost, um, like I said, to the Steelers' backups. But, yeah, man, it was uh, – I think about that season and that, that last game in 4 quite often. Ross, thanks for popping on. Really appreciate your time, buddy. Everyone, go check out the Ross Tucker podcast and follow him on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL. Thanks again, Ross. Pat, thanks so much for having me, man. I really appreciate it. This was fun. All right, that'll wrap up this show. Big thanks to Ross Tucker for coming on and talking a little football with me. Make sure you guys listen to the Ross Tucker podcast. I don't need to tell you where you can find it because it's literally anywhere podcasts are heard. It's a great podcast. He has some big stars on it every week, so make sure you check that out. Of course, Thanks, as always, to Tone Pucks for coming on and doing our Monday Pat with Puck segment. Always fun doing that. Normally, I don't like to announce guests ahead of time in case something happens, but I can't help it in this case. Thursday, I have scheduled by far my biggest guest to date. I'm talking about Richard Deitch. Richard spent 20 years at Sports Illustrated, and now he's with The Athletic. He's a big-time media critic, columnist, and host of one of the biggest and best podcasts, sports podcasts, literally on this earth. And I really mean that. I'm not exaggerating. So I am all 
kinds of stoked to have him on my little show on Thursday. Cannot wait for that. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast. Just go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe right there. You can follow me on Twitter at Pamaran Tweets, all that other fun stuff. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you Thursday. It's going to be a good one. Have a great week. Go Bills. Hey guys, it's Mike. As you know, I adopted my pup Rocky from a local rescue. Now, when people ask me what kind of dog Rocky was, I was always stumped. I used an Embark Dog DNA test to decode my most puzzling questions about Rocky. You can also learn about your dog's inner secrets with Embark, the highest rated dog DNA test. Unlock over 350 breeds and screen for over 200 genetic health risks. Save $50 on a breed and health kit with promo code KIT at EmbarkVet.com. Again, that's promo code KIT.